So the ANC is going to create 3.5 million job opportunities over the next five years. How much of a job is a job opportunity? I mean, the one thing that it definitely isn't is a job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because if it was a job, they'd call it a job. Mark, good morning. Good morning, indeed. It's almost March. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to believe it. I mean, you know why it seems to go faster and faster, Tim, is because every incremental unit of time is a smaller and smaller fraction of the lives that we've lived. Right. And yeah. so in our minds, it, it seems to be less and less, although it's the same. So good morning, everyone. We're almost up to Easter. I know, it's amazing. And the elections. Yeah, yeah, and the elections, yeah. Yeah, I read this morning, it's a really quite a nice quote, you know, sort of quite a sort of middle-aged tech guy. Yeah. And he was asked whether he had any regrets in life. And he said, you know, my biggest regret was that for every birthday I had with a zero in it, I thought, oh my God, I'm old. So when I was 30, 40, 50, 60, but you know, that was so stupid. I wasn't old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm old now. I get accused of the opposite. People are forever telling me to grow up already. You know, you're nearly 70. Behave yourself, you know. And so I'm in the other box. Yeah, I've, always, you know, I've always felt I should grow up a little bit more, but I've got no plans to. Before we know it, the election will be over, Tim. What are they offering us? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. No, this is what I was thinking. Um, we should talk a little bit about the manifestos. I'm always astounded and how little manifestos change. Yeah. I mean, the, the ANC has been peddling the same manifesto for 30 years now, basically the same yeah. one. You know, there's more or less yeah, the same yeah. stuff. You know, we've got to have this, 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 we've got a job yeah, creation, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And yet, you know, <laughs> the country has grown at like an average of less than 1% over the last 15 years. Yeah. If that happens, surely you change? Surely there's like a change of course? Surely you look at the situation and say, we need to change up <laughs> stuff. This is not working. Let me be borderline devious on that point and say this. What happens if it was actually your intention to perpetuate low growth in the name of creating a dependent population over which you could prevail with ever-decreasing small gifts? <laughs> what happens if that's what you plan to do? Ooh, wow. Okay. <laughs> because if you sit back, You'd find uh, some foundation for that hypothesis because we're getting poorer and poorer, and yet much is made of the fact that we've, you know, 10 times as many people are on grants, and we're continually talking about, you know, 60% of the budget, okay, went on public sector wages and social grants. 60% of the budget, okay, is on something that provides little or no return. Now, there's a completely opposite approach that one could take to all of this. And you could say, we're going to grow, 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 grow the economy, and that's going to fix everything. Okay, The invisible hand of that economic good fortune is going to raise taxes and so on. But uh, to be unfair for a minute, yeah. you hardly have to listen to two or three manifestos to get the manifestos for everyone. There's a huge intersection in the unfulfilled uh, and broken promises across all parties. Or am I being unkind? No, you know, I, I mean, it's like that. Who was it? Somebody a long time ago said, you know, I don't vote in elections because whoever you vote for, you end up getting a politician. And that just encourages them. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, oh, Tom, you've depressed me, man. I mean, is that true? Man? Yeah, it's true. It's one of those self-fulfilling, self-reflective. No, that's horrible, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But you know, you know, it's it's interesting. We've just had our last 
effort at at registering the population for the election, right? Yeah. So now yeah. we know how many voters are going to contest this election. The answer is 27.8 million people. So the population is 62 million, okay? So there's 21 million South Africans who are under 18. So in other words, there are 41 million people who could vote if they were registered. Yeah. But we only have 27.8 registered million registered voters. That means there's 13 million people out there who could vote if they had bothered to register. The biggest party of all. Yeah. So this is not even yeah, the, yeah. the people who are registered and who won't vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now what is that number? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so last yeah. election, there were 26.8 million registered voters. 66% of, of them actually cast a ballot on, on election day. And that number has been decreasing, decreasing, decreasing every election. And, you know, it's absolutely incredible. In 1999, the turnout, the proportion of people who were registered who actually did cast a vote, 89%. I mean, 90%, basically everybody, mm, 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 except mm. people who had some sort of situation in which they couldn't make it. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible how fast this number has dropped. Yeah, you've got two-thirds of the population that can vote that are registered to vote, and only two-thirds of those registers are voting. So if you if you look at the product of those two observations, you get to like 45% or something. You get less than half the eligible population are voting. Okay, And so are the causes for that that there's nothing to vote for, or are the causes for that that there's nothing differential to vote for, that there's not significant a difference enough to be discerning in where you cast your vote, so you may as well go same old, same old, and accept your, your lot in, in, in life, or is it a protest? I mean, what do you think? I think there's two reasons. The first is that there's a kind of sense of gloom about, you know, this has happened all over the world. You know, the party of liberation has this extraordinary momentum which it carries forward. For them, it's great. They can do anything they want. People still vote for them, right? For years and years and years. But it, what it also does is it bakes in a certain amount of cynicism about the political system. So a lot of people think, oh, there's no point in voting. The ANC is just going to win. So that's the one problem. The second problem is I think that up till now, South Africa hasn't provided viable alternatives, attractive viable alternatives. Yeah, I think that's the root cause. The reason it basically is that the DA is too untransformed and the EFF is too bonkers. You know, so people who are sort of on the outside fringes of the ANC rather just don't vote, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. having to make the difficult choice. So now the question is, will they do it this time? Will they change? Will they find new parties? And, you know, they've got a full choice because there's 400 yeah. <laughs> registered political parties. So, you know, it's not like they won't have a choice. No, realistically, <laughs> they've only got a choice of about six or ten. And that six or ten, uh, after the first three, which is ANC, EFF, and DA, you know, then you splinter down to action, and then you splinter down to IFP, and then the rest, okay? And so there isn't a sufficiently compelling story that has got momentum. And this election might give it momentum. If there is a sufficiently new and different way of thinking that gets a popular vote, then we would have crossed the point where the electorate are starting to listen. And, you know, I go, you know, since the budget, I'll just going to raise this because at some point we must talk about all the sources of capital that we need to make this economic dream a reality. Almost every person I've spoken to doesn't really understand the contingency reserve issue and the accounting issue versus the economic reality and the 
you know, whether it was good or bad. And, and, and so if the people that, that I happen to be sitting across the table having a cup of coffee with or bump into in the shopping centers are not fully afraid, because a lot of them ask me as if I would be, then how informed are the electorate? And I would argue they're not informed at all about the sophisticated sources of capital that this government is focusing on, which is, you know, I mean, I see the prescribed assets debate has come back into focus for pension funds. We're looking at raiding the reserves. We're looking at, you know, sort of regular, we're looking at capital by force, not capital by invitation. Okay. That's, that's where I see it. And that scares away to me one of the primary sources of capital, which is international capital that's got discretion. So what I'm really saying is, we're talking about voting. How many people know, read, understand, are capable of differentiating and then making an informed decision on their best estimate of the truth that underlies the vast intersections between promises, most of which look unrealistic to me? Across all parties, by the way. I mean, it's true of every country in, in some senses. Yeah, I know that. I think it's particularly true here. And you can tell that, that that's true precisely because of your earlier point about you know, the lack of a growth strategy. You know, if, if people knew how much better things would be if the country just grew by 3% compared to 1%, you know what I mean? You know, so it sounds like two. It's just two percent. What's that? It's just two. You know, it's very small. But I mean, if if you magnify that out over the size of the economy, your life dramatically changes. Dramatically changes if you are even in the you know ninth poorest percentile in South Africa. If there's a three percent mm. growth, mm. much more than you would get from the extended public works programs. Or you know, in some ways, I think the worst word that was ever invented was this word trickle down, you know, because people think of uh, economics, oh, you know, they, they, they just support a trickle down economy and we can't live on a trickle, mm, but mm, you know, it isn't mm. a trickle, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a gusher. If, you, if you're growing, like India is growing at the moment at, you know, at 8% a year, then, you know, the proportion of people in poverty starts dropping by 10% a year. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to something we mentioned last week, which is the Katsi Dam in Lesotho. I was there before they started building because we raised the capital for that thing. There was just this little tiny river at the bottom of a gorge okay, that became the huge Katsi Dam. But why did it become? Because it flowed all the time. Just, you know, there was water coming in. There was water coming in. There was water, and eventually it fills up. You know, that's how it works because you, right. you've dammed yeah, it up. Yeah. Now, it's not only the fact that you're not focusing on growth. The real issue is the application of the capital that we are extracting rather than earning and what it's being spent on. That's the real issue. It's being spent on a zero return, and yet it's got a huge cost. So we're borrowing money and taking money away from safety nets and long-term necessity and consuming it. Yes. Okay, Cons Consumption doesn't yield a return. Yes. Okay. This to me is all self-evident and completely, you know, diagnosable and analyzable into the truth. It would control alternate delete the entire mindset of the population if they were presented with the truth of their economic outlook. I mean, we're paying a billion rand a day, nearest damn it, uh, in interest. Well, that's you know, that's not going to feed anybody. Okay, 
we've got to look at the application of capital, and the application of capital in the absence of a growth strategy is support. Yes. Okay, and rescue. Yes. And that will be our nemesis. No, no, no. And you know what's a big victim here? One of the biggest victims, and to me, you know, it's just egregious. The big victim here is language. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> because you start having to use words that, that, that don't mean what they seem to mean. So one of the things I noticed in the ANC manifesto was this, this thing about job opportunities. So the ANC is going to create 3.5 million job opportunities over the next five years. So now, you know, well, what is a job opportunity? <laughs> is that like not a job or is it a job? Or, or how much of a job is a job opportunity? I mean, the one thing that it definitely isn't is a job. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> because if it was a job, they'd call it a job. Yeah. You know, this notion of prescribed assets, people keep on talking about it for ages. You know, it's been going on now for years and years and years. But you can't, you can't have prescribed assets. You can, of course, you can have prescribed assets. But once you prescribe the assets, you have to have an ability to invest it in projects that make economic sense. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. If you said to me they were going to appoint an independent council whose mandate it is to invest 5% of all pension fund money, taking a number out of there, that's a huge, huge number. And if that was independent of uh, political intervention and all of the agendas that we've heard in the manifestos, and it was focused entirely on growth strategy, that fund would be able to leverage capital from around the world to join it in these virtuous, economically productive, risk-return-adjusted opportunities that would be presented to this astute and informed and experienced group of people, which would be the Council for the Investment of Prescribed Assets, then I'd say yes. Because, you know, it, it would be self-fulfilling. It would create more taxes. And I would also say it should have a limited life. And let's call that life three to five years. Okay. So that it's just a catalyst for persuasion. What we need to do, Tim, is persuade the population of the virtue of deferred consumption. Yes, I agree. You know, the part of the problem with prescribed assets is that there's an inbuilt tautology inside the idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because yeah, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you prescribe assets... So now you've got a pot of money, and now you've got to invest that money. So let's say that you invest that money effectively. If you do do that, then there's no necessity for prescribed assets there you because go. people would invest anyway. You know yeah, what I mean? So, so, so why not just have the investment opportunity, the rational investment opportunity in the first place? You don't need to prescribe assets. Money will come galloping through the door at a vast rate, as it does, if, by the way, for a lot of pro projects in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, it does. I'll tell you why it might have a temporary place to fill. is because of the state we're in. Okay? It's because of the state of indebtedness. We're below the surface. We're not just running along on a flat surface with opportunities bobbing up and down. We are deeply below the surface of sustainability. Yes. Deeply below yes. and going deeper. So we need something to fill up. To fill up that. Yeah, but the yeah. but the starting point is not prescribed assets. The starting point is identifying the projects. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they put out, you know, a call for investment in a project, let's say build a new city, you know, just kind of completely way out there. Let's build a new city where you're going to need, uh, you know, fifty billion rand. Uh, we're going to put it here in the free state. It's going to be magnificent. There's going to be slides for kids and roads that go around in circles. Let's assume that that was a good idea. Okay, it's not. Uh, 
But if that was a good idea and you didn't get enough investment for it, um, then by all means, prescribe the damn assets. You know, the, yeah, but, but, but let's see the project first. Well, if the project is a good idea, it will raise capital. Conditional only uniquely, perhaps, on, in our situation, on the absence of government interference, the absence of a rigged tender system, the absence of all of the impediments, including the taxes, which include things like you know, compulsory shareholdings by various demographic constituents and all of those kinds of things. If you made this an open market uh, debate, uh, then capital would make its own risk-adjusted return decisions and it would come in abundance. If it was left to preside over the operating assets, and we talked about this last week in the case of Norway and, the, and you know, the, the North Sea oil reserves and so on, uh, that's what we need. We need the uh, government, public servants, to stand aside and let business provide the impetus, and they collect the taxes. Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know how complicated this is to anyone, but it's not complicated, and there isn't another solution. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's move on. You wanted to talk a little bit about the cows. I do too. I think it's, a, it's an extraordinary situation. It's affected me, this thing, actually. Really? Okay. You know, 19,000 animals. I can only imagine what. You know, people, uh, you know, go on and on about shooting a guinea fowl that you're going to eat. Well, the guinea fowl is kind of flying along peacefully, surveying the world in which it's living, and the next minute it's dead. Okay, juxtaposition that with a cow that gets onto a boat that makes it seasick and it vomits, and it's the place is full of shit, and it can hardly breathe, and it's kept alive for some purpose, you know, quite beyond its reckoning for a month. Okay, and then it's taken off, scrubbed clean, and sent to an avatar. Well, you know, I can't imagine who would have it in them to be the captain of such a ship, knowing what the cargo is uh, inside that ship. I can't imagine who is that inhumane in their minds. And I've, it's affected me. I've, I, I can't stop thinking of the images and the pain and suffering and the ignoring of it that must take place for the month at sea when you are on the fucking ship and you've got all of these smells and these funny things it's too terrible for words for me i i, I can't abide it actually and you know without the same emotion you can go into business where there are people who will make money at the cost of anything you know who who, who have no basic principles of good behavior and good faith and good manners and all of those kind of things. And I can't abide them either, to be honest. I learned this interesting statistic. Um, did you know that people who work in debt retrieval services earn less than people who work in fast food restaurants? So somebody, I was listening to this interview and somebody asked a banker, why, why is it that you pay these people so little? Surely this is the worst job in the world. Yeah. And his response was, you know, you just slightly underestimate, you know, there's some people who like it. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You just slightly underestimate how horrible people are. Yeah. There are people who are horrible. And, you know, I, and I've seen it, I've seen it in the most, I've seen so many horrible people applauded I know, I know, for I know. achievements measured only in money. And I, I can't abide And yet it. they ignore you know, us. Anyway. Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> so the other number, which is also a sad number, is 31,000 people killed in Ukraine. I don't know what all these statistics are, but it also gets personal 
when you think about the consequences of war, I saw a picture of some guy who'd been crippled and lost his sight and so on. And you go, when he left home to go and fight this war, what did he believe? What did he want? What Was he just a, a person with a job who became a sacrifice for some ego? I'm a little bit depressed about these things. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just... It, it, have a nice week. <laughs> yes, apart from that. Yeah. yeah, apart from that and the state you're in and blah, blah. Yeah, have a, have yeah, a, yeah, it's, yeah, a compli- yeah. it's a complicated world, it but it's it's not all nice. Eh? Okay, I'll see you next week. I'll be in a much better mood because someone told me we, we're a fun show and obviously yeah, this week... We, we didn't deliver that. The exception <laughs> proves the rule. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.